One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast code acast. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, and not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up. Swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear. You'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit eBay.com for terms. It took me a long time to work up the courage to actually. Start to take the steps towards creating the brand. I realized that I really didn't want to go back to acting, and I didn't know what that would mean for me financially, identity-wise. Do you think it would have been possible to grow a followership like that if you had not been a famous movie star before? I definitely was using my existing platform to try to grow this new one. What's the master vision right. for Goop? So I've always been that person in the culture that is suggesting. New ideas. We have to be really buttoned up now, but we don't want to stop being punk rock in that way. We don't want to stop trailblazing. This is what we're here to do. You know, we're here to move culture forward. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. This week on Inside Fashion, I speak to the one and only Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, Gwyneth has one of those amazing life stories. She became a celebrated Hollywood actress at a very young age, won an Oscar, found herself in London, and managed to accidentally start a business on her kitchen table. She started a newsletter called Goop, where she recommended the things that she was interested in, the lifestyle brands, the products, and the people that. Caught her interest, and somehow this newsletter grew a significant following that Gwyneth has now turned into a business. She's raised tens of millions of venture capital and recently opened up a store on Westbourne Grove in London's Notting Hill. 
So from her kitchen table to an online content operation to selling products of her own, I spoke to Gwyneth about her journey from Hollywood actress to CEO. So here's Gwyneth Paltrow, Inside Fashion. Madame Gwyneth Paltrow. Oui, c'est moi. You are here in London. Thank Welcome. God. Are you happy? I'm so happy. How does happy. it feel to be back? I love it. I do you miss, miss London so much? Yeah? What do you miss about London? I miss my friends. Yeah. And I miss being an expat. Yeah. I miss that kind of extreme awakeness that you get from being an expat and noticing everything and right. marveling at architecture and history and you know things are so different to yeah. you know and no matter how long you live in a different country I think you're always sort of in wonder and awe a little yeah, bit that's everything so weird because yesterday evening I was walking near a tube station near Bond Street and I had and I've lived here for almost 20 years and I started taking pictures because it was just like it's such an icon you could see the HMV so anyway yeah so you know what I mean yeah. I miss that yeah. kind of consciousness yeah well you've been on a huge, interesting journey since you left London, and that's what we're here to talk about okay. today. But before we get into the business of Goop, which I am really fascinated in, I wanted to talk a bit about how it all started, and it started here in London. Indeed. On your kitchen table. Mm -hmm. Everyone first came to know you as an actress, but now you're an entrepreneur building a business. How did it, how did it all get started? Tell us, take us back to the beginning. Well, I think I had I'd had this incredible film career. I was very fortunate to have the kind of career that I was able to have. And um but I had worked back to back to back, you know, for 15 years, three films a year, five films a year, and I moved here and I got pregnant and I had my daughter and I just kind of had this strange midlife experience where I questioned everything and I I realized that I really didn't want to go back to acting and I didn't know what that would mean for me financially identity wise um, and so I just gave myself permission I was lucky enough that I could could take a few years off and I did and it was really in that time that I felt something germinating and I I realized that I had this passion to do something in the food, travel, fashion space. I didn't know what, I didn't know how. Um, the internet, it was relatively new. Yeah. I didn't feel like there was a particular site that was right for me in terms of, you know, somewhere I wanted to go to find out information that wasn't crowdsourced. Like there was no kind of I don't know, big sister website to go to and kind of get good information. And so I very gently started to think around how I might do it. And it, it took me a long time to work up the courage to actually start to take the steps towards creating the brand and going to speak with somebody about like, what could I call it and help me with the icons and what is WordPress and what is MailChimp and, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And so in the early days, there was not really a business model, right? You no. were just creating this, you know, people knew it as an email newsletter. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. So what were, what were in those early emails? <laughs> um, recipes and, you know, travel 
tips and fashion things. I mean, it's funny. We just had the 10-year anniversary, of course, so... Uh, we some of my team came in and were, were reading me early, early newsletters, and some of them were were like a bit of a cringe-a-thon, and other ones were like, "Oh, it's like, oh, this is good. This is still relevant. This is." It's where amazing we're when you do that, though, because you. I mean, I do that sometimes for BOF, and you kind of see the journey that you've been on to get to the place that you are. Yeah. So when you think about the woman or the man who comes to Goop today mm-hmm. what is it that they find on goop that they can't find on any other number of lifestyle fashion food culture wellness websites or um properties you know that they're everywhere it's like yeah. you know it's ubiquity now yeah i think that we have a pretty specific point of view and i think we are very values driven and i so i think you know we kind of put a stake in the ground early around non-toxic beauty for example and so we have a pretty um specific platform around non-toxic beauty and why it's important to us and so i think we've become known for that and trusted for that so you know we hear feedback that i know that if it's if it's a beauty product and i'm buying it on goop i know that you vetted it for me so i think um, it's that sense of curation and trust. And, you know, I think also because I was sending content for six years before I monetized anything, um, I established a large degree of trust with the readership. And so, um, you know, that's when I started to think about monetizing the business, I thought, well, how do you, like, isn't it, counterintuitive to leverage trust like how do you do that and why would I want to do that and but at the same time you know if people trust you and they're kind of coming to you for answers and then they want coinciding product or you want to monetize through partnerships or whatever it it seemed like I had unwittingly set myself up for the those models so when did you decide that and how did you decide to go Mm -hmm. from it being this kind of email newsletter that you know didn't really have a monetization model to right. a proper business was yeah. there like a moment or a, a, a kind of a, a time period when you started to make that shift yes I was approached at a party by yeah. a woman named Juliette de Bobigny. She, oh, I know Juliette. You know Juliette. Yeah. So she was a partner at Kleiner Perkins she's just left to do her own fun which okay. is very exciting and she came up to me I was um at Liz Murdoch's house at a cocktail party and she said my name's Juliet and um I'm a venture capitalist I didn't even know what a venture capitalist was and she said she really liked what I was doing and she sensed that there was opportunity there and what did I want to do with it and um I said, you know, I, I want to turn it into something, but I don't know what, and I don't know how. And she sort of set me on the course of starting to think about how would I do that? And what, what could a business look like? And she introduced me to my first CEO, Seb Bishop. I also know Seb. I met him a long time ago. Yeah. So, and, and then Seb and I got together and we started to think about how, what it might look like. And we talked through a bunch of different scenarios and it was the day of the flash sale and the subscription shoe model. And, oh, yes. You know, we were trying to think about 
Is there a How Gwyneth Paltrow a goop box? <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to do that. You know, it didn't feel right to me. And um, so we just started with partnerships really gently. And it sort of, and collaborations came second. And it just organically grew from there. So at, at that stage, like, give us a sense of the metrics. Because like last time you and I spoke about the business, you said you were all over the metrics. <laughs> you know, what had you kind of amassed at that point in terms of email subscribers and following? And how has that grown yeah. over time? It's, you know, grown, luckily, pretty substantially. Um, although it's funny, email is really, you can really see that email is kind of a dying animal. You really? Know? I think so. I think, you know, we still have really good engagement on email, but you can just see it's different. Ten years ago, you know, people engaged with email. I think there were fewer emails being sent by brands and companies. People engaged with it more. And now I think everybody's just signed up for too many emails. And um, I don't think people sign up with the frequency that they used to. So it's something that we think about now, like how, how are we going to reach customers using technology but not email. email. Um, I'm, well, I can tell you that my first email I sent went out to, I think, about 10,900 people. Already? Yeah. Because I don't know what, I can't remember. I think I think Stephen Uvane, my long-suffering publicist, who's been with me since I'm like 18 years old, I think he, you know, put it in something. And then, so I got signups. And wow. so the first one went out to about 10,000 something. And then it grew organically and then it was about, probably by that point it was a, probably 100,000 or something and now we're over a million, but we, cause we always clean the list. We want a really good list. So we've, you know, we've been very careful about that. Do you think it would have been possible to grow a followership like that if you had not been a famous movie star before? Like how much of that do you attribute to the early success. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, why would anybody have followed? You mm -hmm. know, I definitely was using my existing platform to try to grow this new one. Mm -hmm. So you meet Juliet at this party. You think about raising some money, I guess. That, that was like a couple years later. Okay. So what? So Juliet set you off in thinking Juliet about this. You meet off. Seb. Correct. You start doing partnerships. Tell us about what Goop as a business is today because it you know yeah. it is so many things it is so how many do you things. just i've heard you describe it as contextual commerce right so what does that mean exactly exactly so what it means is that there's essentially a reason behind everything that we're making or selling and so we're not just kind of going and doing the spring summer buy and buying fashion and buying there's a reason behind everything i think what we're trying to do is um, you know, there are a lot of websites that are great at, you know, creating a PLP with 80 pencil skirts on it. And we don't want to do that. We, we don't, we want to create a very curated site where we can come and kind of save people time. And so there's a reason why it's that skirt, for example, and sometimes it's a shorter reason and sometimes it's a longer reason. But, you know, you can see the model work really well, for example, with um, like Jean Godfrey June, for example, our beauty editor. She's a legendary beauty editor. We love her. And she is very passionate about clean beauty. So she will 
say, I, I found this fantastic serum and it does X, Y, and Z, and I'm obsessed with it, and I want to write an article about it. So then it'll go through, the actual product will go through our portal, and we'll make sure that it doesn't have any ingredients in it that it shouldn't, et cetera. And if it passes the portal, then we buy inventory, and then she writes the story, and then it creates a feedback loop like that. So it's why, are, why am I buying this serum? Because Jean Godfrey June loves it, it's clean, it's efficacious, it does X, Y, and Z, and we all need this serum, and so. Ta-da. Ta-da. So that's the product side of the business, right. which is like kind of a traditional inventory, buy the inventory. Right. You also have a media business. Yes. You take advertising, mm -hmm. and you do partnerships. How, do, how does that work? And how linked is it to the product side? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny. It's sort of, it, it sets up a, I, a healthy tension in the business, actually, because there are oftentimes competing intentions, right? The partnerships team is trying to execute for a brand and deliver on their KPIs, and sometimes they're different than our KPIs on our side. So it's this very interesting tensegrity that happens, and which I think is actually really interesting and really good for the business and really keeps you thinking about, oh, well, why are, why is this brand doing that? And how can we align better? And um, it's actually really interesting too, to see how much that landscape is changing. Um, and originally people wanted digital ad units and then they wanted native content. And now brands really want to touch everything experiential that we're doing. I don't know if you find that similar. Definitely. I mean, we, uh, th when I was researching or reading a little bit about Goop for, uh, and thinking about this conversation, I found a lot of similarities. Right. And we find that we need to engage with our community across as many touch points as possible. Right, right. Same. And not all, not every touch point is super profitable, but right. every touch point matters in terms of giving that 360 degree. Right kind of um, dimensionality to, right. the, to the brand. You do events as well, mm -hmm. and they, they have like, they sound like incredibly like um, elaborate. They're elaborate, they're great. It's a great bang for the buck. Yeah. You have to come. I would love to We're once. doing one in London actually. Yeah. Oh, great, well I'll make sure I'll find oh, out one oh, okay. and get to like lie down and <laughs> experience some of that. Exactly. But, so, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. 
I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. When you think about how all these things fit together, like yeah. where, where, what's the master vision right. for Goop? Because well, you know, there's all these different elements, but I'm trying to understand what the... What it is, yeah. right. So the way I look at it is like this. We are a content brand. We're content first. That's our DNA completely. The media business is what supports the content and the content is what supports the commerce. So for me, I see it all very clearly and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I can also understand looking from the outside and being like, good Lord, there's all these, you know, cause we also have like a little CPG business. We have a eponymous fashion business. Like there are a lot of pieces to it. Yeah. Um, and collaborations. And for me, it's makes perfect sense. Like I, I see it as like this. So flowing. would it be accurate if I said you, you, you create the content to acquire and attract users at the top of a funnel. Mm-hmm. And then as users begin to engage with you, maybe subscribe to your email or visit your website, they get, they, then you're able to monetize the kind of audience. Correct. But further down that funnel, once someone is much more deeply engaged, they might attend an event or buy a product or you know participate in some kind of collaboration or something that you've done with someone else. That's right. Is that right? So everybody can participate to the degree to which they want to. And right. you can always go deeper and you can always go shallower. So how big do you think that market is? Because because your point of view on Goop is so specific, mm-hmm. it's for a certain type of person mm-hmm. uh, one might not call it like super mass right both in terms of positioning and price like mm-hmm. how big do you think that can be yeah well I think that you know you can look at any luxury brand and think like what is the market cap of this particular brand and I think that we're a lot broader we're not strictly a luxury brand a lot of our price points are luxury and a lot of them are you know because we sell wellness product and we sell um, beauty products so we have kind of an actually a pretty wide range of um, 
of price points. And I think it's always aspirational. I think even the, the product that we make, the beauty product, the creams, the vitamins, we use the highest quality raw materials and we care so much about the quality. So it's never going to be at a mass price point. Um, I think we're just getting started in terms of the people that we can reach. And, you know, we have a very, we have 35% of our audience is not in the U.S. And we just started shipping to the U.K., you know, last week or whatever. So I think, I think we have quite a ways to go. I think that there is a Goop reader and a Goop customer in a lot of countries that we would like to be able to serve. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you and I have talked about in the past, I think the first time I met you in Los Angeles when I came over to your house and we sat on a little sofa just like this (laughs) with our socks off, or our shoes off rather. Um, We talked about, you know, the other thing that happens when you have a profile like you do is that sometimes it attracts attention or controversy. Yes, indeed. And there has been no shortage of controversy or... um, you know, vitriol in some in some cases yeah. thrown at you mm-hmm. with regards to some of the products you promote and how you promote them and whether they're like scientifically backed up. I mean, this is something that I guess over the years you've had to navigate and take more seriously, especially as now Goop is. It's one thing to have controversy when you're doing the newsletter and there was no like money involved, but right. like people are actually calling you out on certain things now about, yeah. you know, and I wrote a few of them down and vaginal eggs and coffee enemas and steam cleaning vaginas and uh. all of this has become, <laughs> you know, kind of a lore on the internet. How do you, how do you um, manage all of that? And how, what, you know, what have been the things you've put in place to address some of the concerns that people yeah. have in the market? Yeah, I think to your point, Exactly. When you're writing content and you're writing about some bizarre or cool or ancient healing modality, um, it's it's different than, you know, when you're a real operating business and you have 200 plus employees, um, you know, for us, it really depends. It's It's interesting because we notice that when we talk about a product or a modality that addresses especially women's sexuality or sexual health, there's a lot of um, noise about it, which I find really fascinating. I think well, everyone's interested in sex, right? Everyone's interested in sex, and I think there's something vaguely threatening about female, like female sexuality and being empowered or something. I mean, you can really see how, you know, it causes quite a stir, um, and you know, as far as I think really when I look back at the things that we've written about, it's not so much that it's controversial. I think that what it is is we're introducing something that is triggering. And, you know, I've kind of had this my whole life. I remember when I started doing yoga in the 90s, people wrote incredibly vitriolic articles that I was a witch and that I was, you know, it was Satan worshiping to do yoga. I mean, really incredible. And now, of course, there's a yoga studio on every corner. I had the same thing when I wrote a cookbook that included no gluten or dairy or sugar. I mean, it's incredible. I could show you articles that said that I'm, I might, someone should call social services on me because I'm starving my children 
and who's ever heard of you know this gluten-free and now you look at the the gluten-free market so I've always been that person in the culture that um, is suggesting new ideas or bringing up an ancient healing modality or wondering like if there's truth in you know the power of crystals or whatever the case may be and I think you know, now we just have to be very buttoned up about, like, we didn't really understand about, oh, you can't make this claim. We're just repeating something, a claim that's from a third party product that we're selling. And we didn't understand like the responsibility that we carry. And now we have, you know, in-house PhDs and we have fact checkers and we have regulators and um, we have to be really buttoned up now, but we don't want to stop being punk rock in that way. We don't want to stop trailblazing. We don't want to stop asking questions, and we're never going to. It's part of what we're doing. We're trying to eliminate shame. We're trying to create interesting conversations. It's really important to us. And, you know, we we don't want to get in trouble and do something wrong. Of course not. And we learn from our mistakes. But that's but this is what we're here to do you know Mm -hmm. we're here to move culture forward sure i mean learning from mistakes is part of the entrepreneur's journey so you know that's definitely that's that's what happens another another challenge that you faced recently was and this is particularly pertinent to this audience listening here because they're all (laughs) fashion fans but you had a partnership with condi and asked to do a magazine yeah and you did a couple of issues and then you guys decided to go it on your own yes that's that's a really big shift because yeah. I, you know to uh, to do something with a big prestigious publishing company like Connie Nass and then to choose to kind of end the partnership. Yeah. Why did you do that? Well, I think that Condé Nast is an, it's an incredible company. The history of the company is incredible. Um and to have the opportunity to do it with them and especially to work with Anna who is one of my idols and you know, she's such an incredible figure in publishing and she's just such an influential figure and she's so intelligent and um, I think she's a very inspiring person. And so that was an, obviously an incredible opportunity. And I think what we found is that Condé, and I think even Anna would agree to a certain extent, you know, it's, they do things in an old fashioned way. And I think they've been trying to, um, consolidate and digitize and do all this stuff. But, you know, for us as a digitally native brand, we kind of wanted to do things in a way where we could have real insight into data and, and be able to have an understanding. And we wanted to kind of bring a technological aspect to the magazine. And we wanted to do text to buy or text for more content. And, you know, they just didn't see it the same way. Um, and, and also, you know, we, the content that we want, we want to push boundaries more than they're comfortable pushing boundaries. And I think we just realized this, we, if we were going to do a magazine, we had to be true to our spirit, um, and had to integrate technology and, to have to be able to, you know, have definitely have insight into where the magazine is selling and not selling, and what does that say to us about this market versus that market, and knowing where to open a pop-up shop, basically. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, so I think we just decided. I think we all decided it was just kind of better. I mean, we. I think it was a great experiment, mm-hmm. but I I do really love being able to do it 
um, on our own. I think it's it's very cool. It's been really a fun project, and I mean, it's still got you know all of the creative direction of Conde all over it, and they set that incredible look. Template, and, yeah. yeah. You know, earlier I mentioned raising money, and you know, it is worth touching upon that because I think. Goop as a business has now raised $82 million. Oh my God. Is that true? Yeah. I haven't even added it. <laughs> so if you think about that. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight now, <laughs> Sorry about that. But that comes with a lot of responsibility. I, I know. I'm how, like, oh, as you've, as you've continued to raise money, mm -hmm. like how has that changed the way you manage the business and you think about your accountability both to your shareholders, but also to your employees, which I think is like about 200 people now. Yeah, more, 220, I think. Yeah. Um, well, everything shifts. The day that I took a dollar from somebody else and it wasn't me funding it, because for a while I was funding it, and then Seb came and put some money in, and it was the two of us. And then when we took money, uh, I sort of, it was like it all shifted to the side the way I looked at it, and I felt an incredible responsibility, even to the first seed investors. Um, and I really, you know, it's energetically, I always feel like money has energy, you know, and you take money from somebody and it's like you're accepting all of that energy that's coming with the money and their hopes for your business and um, and their opinions about your business. And it just, it shifts things. I mean, I feel like I'm incredibly lucky in that the investors that I have, and we share an incredible investor mm -hmm. in Frederick, um, have really understood and been aligned with me on my vision for the company and that I've wanted to take my time to grow the company. And I, I don't want to buy an expensive or bad customer. Um, and that I think there's a way to really balance growth. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think they would like, you know, I have a certain investor who would like me to kind of to be, to grow quicker and to make bigger bets. And I say, you know, I still have to sleep at night. So <laughs> um, how did you know which investors to pick? Because I'm sure given your profile and, you know, the success of the business so far, you had a lot of options. Like, how did you choose? I just got so lucky, honestly. I mean, Tony Florence, who's my biggest investor from NEA, who I adore and who's really a huge mentor to me as much as he is a co-owner of the company. Um, he actually found me because he was an early investor in Moda and he was reviewing their board deck and he saw like on one certain day they had the giant spike in users and it led to this concentration of VIPs and all this stuff. And he was like, what, ha I need to understand what happened on this day. And it was in the Goop newsletter. And it was something. in the Goop newsletter. Yeah. And so he called me, he, he understood that there was something, that there was a powerful lever there. And, um, so he found me in a very kind of personal and organic way. And I just got really lucky. And then he introduced me to a number of other people and Frederick and, you know, I think the people who wanted to invest, I just, I, I got lucky. So far, I've been incredibly lucky with my investors. And I, there's nobody around the table that I feel like this person isn't aligned with us or has a completely different philosophy. So, I mean, you know, it's still early days, but let's see. Mm -hmm. let's, see let's see what happens when things start going really off the rails. Oh, I'm sure it's going to continue <laughs> in a very positive way. 
so we've gone through this journey of yours from like you know oscar winning actress to now ceo like what what's it like for you to be a ceo today and what have you learned oh my god what have i not learned i mean i i learned so much every day there's so much i don't know there's so much i'll never know um I, what I love about it is how much I don't know and how much there is to learn. It's by far the hardest position I've ever been in in my life, bar none. Like I, I genuinely, if I had known how difficult it was going to be, I really don't know if I would have jumped off uh, the bridge uh, and into the goop waters. But I do have to say that I feel so exhilarated and optimistic and terrified and a light you know like on fire and I'm always running on all cylinders and my inner life is really exciting because I have all of these incredible aspects of the business to think about and manage and strategy and you know fabric and the P&L and, you know, having to learn Excel quite badly and um, (laughs) all of these things that I never in a million years could have ever imagined that I would try to, you know, learn and understand. And then, my God, you know, trying to understand performance marketing and... Oh, that's something I'm trying to figure out too. It's like 50 math problems that I never could do squeezed into one problem. Well, maybe later tonight at dinner I can quiz you on performance marketing because yeah. I need to figure that out. But um, It's very, it's really its own beast. It's very challenging. Yeah. Um, so looking back now, mm-hmm. is there something you'd do differently in terms of the way you've like created this business? Oh, yeah. There's so many things I would do differently. But anything in specific that you think, hmm? I mean, I don't think it's a good plan in general to sort of say, oh, I would like to start a business and I don't know what and I don't know how and I don't know how I'm going to get there. Like I wish that I had had a mentor at that time who would have sort of sat me down and talked me through this is what it will entail. These are the stages. Um, And so I could have sort of thought about what what it was going to be before I embarked on it. And then I made a lot of mistakes around, um, you know, things that I didn't understand. Like, for example, you know, I started the e-commerce business, which was tiny when we started on an e-commerce platform that I had no business being on, that you had to have special engineers and them sticking widgets and everything and breaking it all the time. And it was way overly complicated. When you could have and just used Shopify when or something. I, and I went back to Shopify. I right. mean, so things like that, that you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't go to business school and I had never worked in an office. So it's crazy. I mean, the chutzpah that looking back when I think, my God, who did I think I was thinking I could do this? Yeah. Um, but in a way, it's good that you don't know what you don't know, because otherwise you might not have taken the leap and then you wouldn't be here sitting with me today about to celebrate your London pop-up shop. That's, I definitely would right? have. Yeah. That's a kind of beauty of being an entrepreneur, I think, because if you know what you're getting into, it can be, sometimes be so daunting that yeah. you wouldn't, but then you also don't know how amazing the super high amazing moments are. That's true. And you wouldn't have those either. You're right. 
So anyway, well, congratulations. Thank it's you. Been, it's been fun to get to know you over the past couple of years know, and see likewise. the whole thing growing. <laughs> and um, I'm sure there's plenty more that you have stored up for us in the in the coming months and years. So we'll see. Congratulations. Thank you. Emma. And let's. And to uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's all for today. This is. Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion with Gwyneth Paltrow in London. Um, please tune in next week for another episode of Inside Fashion. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have more lessons and interesting conversation for you then. Bye. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.